welcome to the Spooky Park Bench Podcast. My name is Christopher Sturm. I am a professional photographer and YouTube channel host in the United States here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and across the pond in sunny, sunny Oxford, England is my best friend in the whole wide world, practical brother. Um, we actually are related by blood. It's true. Um, you can see way back there in the uh, family tree somewhere. Uh, Mike Sim. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hi uh, I'm a photographer. I do that. I take pictures. I take pictures with stuff, with cameras. Uh, I've seen it. Yeah, I see them. You There's see proof. them, I do them. Um, <laughs> Happy yep. New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. We're it's... just discussing new things, primarily my face. <laughs> Mike's beard has made I, an appearance. It's, I have a beard. Yep. This um, is a, a visual medium podcasting, so I'll have to just describe to you what his beard looks like. Um, he looks, you know what you look like? You look like you've entered your Bonnie Vare era, like you're going to go find yeah. a cabin in the woods and write an epic album. I'd like to think that my beard's a little bit thicker than his. Yeah, I think he's, um, yeah, his quite, very, quite yeah. a patchy number. I'm also lacking, um, his talents. Um, I would well, just go and I would just go and live in the woods. I'd go a bit more like Christopher McCandless from Into the Wild. I'd go. He the dies. And die. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, I just go there and die. I realize that I realize I have no wilderness survival skills. Um, I mean, I've barely got, I've barely got sort of domestic survival skills. So mm. I'd be, I'd be fucked in the wild, to be honest. Uh, you know, no shame. I also would be, um, I think I'd, I think I'd do a couple days. I'd be all right. And yeah. then I often I would... think about it. I romanticize about it cause I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fantasist. So I, I romanticize about, you know, living in the woods with a dog, mm-hmm. just me and the dog. Um, you know, what's funny. I think if I were to be in that situation, I think if I were to just focus and, and like take care of business, I'd be fine. But I think I might complain myself to death because yeah, I, I, I spent, and <laughs> um, this is not for Oz, but I, I spent Christmas day this year um, mm-hmm. on, on my own. And, oh. um, Hey, me too. Jackie was um, working and I was bored out of my tits. Mm. And I thought it was in that moment with access to the world's technology. I was still bored. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought I, I couldn't do a cabin. I'd be deed. We did so. Um, there's a YouTube video actually about this coming out uh, shortly. I don't know when, but shortly. Um, we went on a uh, cabin getaway trip um, in November, or no, sorry, December. Is in December, the beginning of December, and it was fantastic. There's no Wi-Fi. There was electricity, but there was no like internet or TV or anything. So we had to just like engage Hold with each other, each other. <laughs> yeah but um it was great it was really nice it was out in the wilderness it wasn't really the wilderness well it was but it was the it was a very 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 small town in the outskirts of wisconsin in the woods um did you make love in front of a fire either to jackie <laughs> or to yourself um you can, you don't have to answer that i'm just gonna assume uh, you will. yeah i'm not gonna answer that i gotta leave something for the listeners to think about but um we did uh eat s'mores sort of um we ended up eating them without heating up the uh marshmallow which was actually pretty good can i don't I know just, why we did that what is a s'more oh you might not <clears throat> oh not okay because like, a, like I, we we do toasted marshmallows see this podcast guys it's you think it's a photography podcast 
It's very rarely, <laughs> very rarely a photography podcast. It's more of a cultural podcast across yep. our yep. two cultures. So a s'more. A s'more is a um, traditionally a camping treat. And what it is, is uh, graham crackers. So you got two graham crackers, which would act as if this was Don't a sandwich. Don't even know what a graham cracker is. Yeah, you do. It's like uh, it's a biscuit that is made of. You've never had a graham cracker? Is it is it is it sweet or savory? It's sweet. Okay. Um, but it's not like super sweet. They're they're kind of like sweeter. Um, God, I actually just heard a podcast that was talking about the history of graham crackers, and they're very Fuck they're very hell. much. There's a weird, funny history about them, and I'll have to remember and, and show you at some point. But please do. I'm, I'm for one day when I'm really bored. Please so, send me the history of graham crackers <laughs> for you. What it means is there's these two basically biscuits and they're sweet. Okay. And they're square. And then in between that, on top of the bottom one, you put um, a square of chocolate. So usually it's Hershey's chocolate. You'll put a square or you can get whatever chocolate you like. And then a marshmallow, a big one. And then you melt the marshmallow or you toast the marshmallow as you would. And you put it on top of the chocolate and you take the other graham cracker on the top and you squish it together and you squish it down. So the chocolate starts to melt and the marshmallow gets all squishy and then you eat it. It's like a very messy, sweet sandwich. Um, And it is very reminiscent of summer and camping and being in front of a fire and that kind of thing. Sounds sounds delightful. It's it's great. I've had some really bad times with s'mores. (laughs) Yeah, but we've had some s'mores. Um, we made noodles and we had, uh, we had pasta one night, um, that we made. Um, we took a lot of photos. We took some four by fives. Oh, nice. Uh, uh Ectochrome. We brought my speed graphic out there. And then I also did, I shot some Provia, I shot some Portrait 400, uh, 220 that I had, um, on my RB67 and, uh, drove around in the snow, got stuck in the snow once, only once. Um, and other than that, it was great. It was uh, yeah. really awesome. I shot Freezing. some 4x5 this week. Of what? Of what? Of people. I um, Whom? Whomst? Whomst. A young chap that I work with and a mm-hmm. uh, barber across the road. Oh, nice. Um, uh, yeah, I was, I, I've been, um, you know, I've been doing that whole depression thing of late where I've just been sort of wallowing. Um, like mm-hmm. Christmas Day, for instance, I had offers to go to people's houses, and I was like, "No, fuck no! I'm going to wallow. I'm going to mm-hmm. wallow all day, and I'm going to enjoy my wallowing." That's the best uh, part of depression is wallowing, which of course is an oxymoron because you can't enjoy wallowing. You can just wallow in your wallowing, <clears throat> which is what I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, therefore, I've been feeling chronically uninspired, and I was edit finishing editing the images for the for the cookbook, and um, you know, when you're doing like that amount of editing and it's like it's monotonous editing as well like Mm -hmm. you know you're cleaning up crumbs and fixing smudges on glasses and you know and i'm not i'm not great at that like i'm not great at like um, retouching i'm good i'm terrible at it i'm good at like how i know how to retouch i know that sounds really stupid but like no no no, when it gets something really technical i'm like and then like i end up just fudging it usually and then figuring out some other ways so like i was trying to clean up the edge of a glass at one point and then it wasn't working and then i realized that there was another glass in the picture that was the exact same size so i cut out the top of that glass Mm -hmm. and then put it on top of the other one Mm -hmm. and then managed to blend that in all right anyway that's boring 
but yeah, it was that sort of monotonous <laughs> level of like editing where you're really psyched on the images and they look good straight out of the camera. So I was pretty happy. But then it's just the touching up, bit of dodging and burning and stuff. And it was right. it was hours and hours and hours of it. It was like 100 and, 120 odd images, I think, in the end. God. See, yeah. this is when I've always hired a, an editor for that kind of stuff. Well, it's the thing. So, like, people, you know, it's one of those things where people talk about, um, you know, the being a photographer and like such a small percentage of your time is taking photos. Yeah. Like, it's, it's traveling, it's setting up, it's emails backwards and forwards, it's negotiating. It's like, you know, and then it's like you do the creative meetings and the talking about, you know, the exact goals. Exactly. exactly. And then, then then days of editing Mm -hmm. and editing. I'm always usually pretty quick at, but this was something because it's such a big deal. I was like, I need to make sure that this is like spot on. So it was like, you know, almost pixel by pixel at times on certain stuff up. Um, See, for me, like I've decided a long time ago, the creative aspect of editing, I'll take care of. But the technical aspect that is like cleanup and and compositing and all that stuff, I'll hire someone else to do that yeah. because they can do it really quick and cheap. Like yeah. I'll pay someone 150 bucks to do all my images and like do a good job. And then I'll go in and do the creative edits. Yeah, because I can't. I, the thing about retouching like that kind of stuff, I never was interested, nor do I care about that part of photography. So I don't do a good job because I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can be like that. And that's the thing where like, I was like, right, okay, at least if I, I'll put on a podcast and just do it. But then I realized mm-hmm. I was focusing too much on what I was doing. So I wasn't listening to the podcast. And then I was like, I'll listen to music. And then I just found that music was annoying me. So mm-hmm. I ended up just sitting in silence just with a with a, yeah. um, a um, graphics tablet as well. Just like poking away at this thing for like hours Ugh. on end. Um, yeah. Anyway, got that done. And I was like, I kind of felt a bit creatively wiped by the end of it. Um, yeah. And then, like it was last week, I think. Um, I just was like, I was gonna look at a photo book, so like made myself a coffee, sat in the corner of my little armchair, got down a photo book, and just started looking at it. And like straight away, I was like, I want to go and take some photos. Like, yeah, sometimes uh, that's what it takes. Is you got to look at some other work. And then, yeah, just once I was out and about and shooting, I was like okay, I love this. Like this, it's just that just gets you back into it, gets you back into shooting again. And like sent them off to the lab this, uh, today actually. Um, so should get them back in a few days. I've probably fucked them entirely. Um, (laughs) that's what I do. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I did, I, um, I took one, one sheet and then put the dark slide back in facing the wrong way. And then, put it down and then was recomposing another shot, picked it up, the, this, the film holder up. And I was like, oh, I've got no idea which sheet I exposed. So I was like, I'm not going to risk it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, <laughs> it was portrait as well. So, um, Oh God. So it was $80 a sheet. Pretty much. Someone, someone just did that in a video recently. Uh, was it, um, I think it was, Oh, it was Jason, um, from grainy days. He did a video where he was talking, he was doing, um, Oh, four by four five. Days. Yeah, he's because he just watched the video. Yeah, and he put it because he does the backwards because the binary for like yeah yeah the, so he his does work is different. Around. Yeah, um, and so he did double exposure, which is funny because I I honestly before I figured out that you know putting the dark light in a different way will make you remember oh I took this already. I just was winging it. I didn't know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was pretty lucky for the most part. But um, 
yeah, now I figured it out. Oh yeah, you know, this is unexposed. This is exposed. I was I was quite happy actually at how fast I was at doing it. Like it at taking the photos. Like because I mean I've not mm-hmm. touched the four by five months, and I was like, oh okay. And like I'm actually weirdly that time away from it almost gives you like a bit of breathing space. Then when you come back to it, you're like, right, it was actually quite fast. So I yeah. felt really comfortable and thinking like, right, I've really got to get a move on with shooting an actual an actual project on this thing. I was surprised too when I when I was shooting the four by five. Because we were in the snow, it was actively snowing when we were shooting. Actively so, snowing. Yeah, so it was difficult because I'd never shot um, in snow because I've never lived in a place that got a lot of snow. So it was my first time shooting in snow, and my first time shooting a four by five in inclement weather. So it was like, oh, I have to like think of all these things. But I was actually really surprised, other than the fact that like my hands were freezing and moving things was was difficult. It was pretty fast, and both me and Jackie shot the four by five, and it worked out pretty great. And the f- images came out great, so uh, I am really happy with that. And I think it's true because I haven't shot the speed graphic in maybe a month before that. I think yeah. it is really like if you take a step back and don't focus on it too hard, and then come back to it, you you still have the muscle memory, but you're not like overthinking it, and it works out nice. That's it. That's it, bro. um yeah what's your um what's your new year new year photography plans well um big picture yeah some people might know already but um i lost my job in november and uh it's been really difficult it's actually been really you know i was really unhappy there um it's very it was a mismanaged studio um there's a lot of egos flying around um from management and uh it just wasn't a good environment um for creativity and it wasn't a good environment for work in general and there's a lot of a lot of people who work there are pretty disgruntled so it just wasn't a good spot um so i was happy to leave but it was the worst possible time to leave um right before the holidays so i've been on unemployment it's been really rough very lucky that jackie is working (laughs) otherwise we'd be in a tough spot um but uh you know, I was really kind of wallowing as well because I just kind of felt useless. And so I hadn't really done anything photography wise other than snapping some things here and there. Um, but then I was talking to Jackie about, you know, looking for new jobs and she was like, you know what, apply for jobs, whatever, but you need to start working on your YouTube channel. Like you need to do more. You need to like really focus on that. She's like, you have no job right now. Use this time to focus on your, your channel. And I was like, Oh, fuck you're right <laughs> and it's really and it really does to you know it really does make a difference having a partner who actually cares about what you do and like cares about your creative output and and um what you're doing and and wants you to succeed in that and so that gave me a big shot of inspiration so i've been um i don't know if you can see because you can see me but my office has been flipped around i'm i'm redoing i have like i bought an ikea table and I have a shelf over there. I'm like organizing. I'm like making this side of my office really pretty. And that's going to be like my my space where I yep. shoot. Um, and uh, I'm working on some videos right now. I'm doing kind of like a, I don't know, not a re, not a rebranding, but like a revamping of the of the channel. Um, nice. I'm going to stop worrying about other people and start just doing me because the people that like my channel like it because it's me and I got to stop trying to be like other people. So I'm leaning really heavily into that. Um, I've got some partnerships with the channel coming up soon, which are pretty cool. One that's actually really funny that we can talk about another time, but um, 
yeah, so I'm going like full bore into the channel and just like focusing all my time on it. So that's that's pretty much my my goal right now in 2023, just because last year was rough, especially for YouTube. It was tough. So um, this year yeah. I'm 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 going to really make an effort to make this a full time thing. And then if I get another job, great. But, you know, this should be my job, I think. <laughs> I think stepping away from it for a while is good, though, as well. You know, it gives you time to get things back in perspective and, and sort of rejig things, I think. And it mm-hmm. gives you a bit of chance to to not get bogged down by like at times the monotony of having to produce like constantly and getting more. Well, that, yeah, I mean that like really screws with me. Cause then I end up putting out videos that I'm like really lukewarm about, um, that I don't think are my best work, but I just needed to put something out, you know? And it's like, yeah. you can see by the views and you can see by your growth. Like, it's like, okay, this stuff's not really hitting and you can tell it's not hitting because, you know, if I don't want to go back and rewatch it, for entertainment value then who else is going to want to watch it and i you know i look i opt to go back and huh i'll always watch your videos again (laughs) well some of them are worth watching more than others like i'll go back and rewatch you know my road trip video i'll rewatch my video about like some of those unboxing videos i did some the video about the m6 the video about the f2 like back when i was making videos in los angeles i don't know what it was but being in that space it was very it was a very like aesthetically pleasing space in the first place so it's very easy to shoot in there. Um, and it's difficult here because I don't have the same, I don't have the same light. I don't have the same environment. So it's like, I find that to be limiting. But yeah, those videos, I just felt like I looked and seemed more upbeat about stuff. And I was just like more, seemed more into it. And I think that that drew a lot of people in. And then it's lately like, being here, I've kind of been like, I feel like I've been a bummer. <laughs> oh man, but like even something simple as weather, like, the weather here sucks in the winter mm. and like it makes me miserable like yeah and i can't be bothered doing anything i just want to be underneath a duvet and like watch yeah TV. well that's like, how it is here it's like i feel like we're in oxford england here because it's overcast and rainy and cloudy and cold and you know snowing every once in a while and it's just like i do like you know that kind of weather sometimes but uh, it's been relentless and we have some sun today. So I went outside, just went out and got coffee and, you know, it was really nice to be in the sun for a little bit, but you know, I still have to work inside today. So I, I only got a little bit of that. And then, um, I'm just hoping this week will be a little bit more sun. Jackie's leaving tomorrow to fly back to California for a week. Um, so I'll be home uh, alone for, uh, I'll be on speed dial for me all the time. We I'm gonna, chat. because I'm going to be bored. I can make sad. you a beat. I can dance. I can sing, <laughs> I can rap. Can I? Yeah, can I make a beat and you rap over it? Yes, like <laughs> literally. Um, let's I will do that. take you up on that. But uh, yeah, um, it's it, the weather does suck, and then sometimes I feel, you know, because Jackie's working so much and her schedule's back. Like she's asleep right now because she got off of a twelve-hour shift at eight a.m. So she's sleeping until maybe three or four. Um, so I feel like. I don't want to be too loud doing during the day, but I have stuff to do. So I like end up putting things off. Um, and that's not her fault. That's just me being stupid. Um, so cool. it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a period of, of adjustment. What would cheer you up? Would my nipples cheer you up? <laughs> they always do. Just knowing that they're there. Um, okay, that's good. does the thing. I'm, I'm not needing cheering. I'm fine. I, okay. I honestly, I mean, unless, unless there's a lottery winning, at some point coming up that'd be great i, 
I'd quite like that too, to be honest. Um, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear what's really been like <laughs> the craziest course of events that's been happening to me and Jackie this last couple months? The thing that's really been bothering us: uh, both of our cars are in the body shop right now because Jackie's car um, was hit by uh, when it was parked by some guy, hit and run. So they hit it, wow. smashed it in the side took off didn't stick around so her car is in the body shop's getting fixed right now she's got to pay a thousand bucks for the deductible of the insurance to get it fixed which sucks and then um so my car at the same time wasn't running it was having some issues found out it was some wiring going to the spark plugs i fixed it i sussed it all out got it fixed two days after i got the spark plugs fixed i'm at the um post office and some older lady smashes into me while i'm parallel parking like going i don't know how fast past me uh obviously her fault she wasn't hurt i wasn't hurt so you know ultimately it's okay but <laughs> my tire exploded my whole left side of the driver's really? side is all fucked up yeah oh she hit me hard um so my car is also in the so both of our cars currently right now are in the shop is her so, insurance at least paying for your car yes yeah her okay. insurance is covering my car um she was very she was luckily a very nice lady she wasn't you know, she wasn't mean or anything. She she admitted fault. She was very apologetic. I was like, hey, as long as we're both okay, that's all that really matters. Insurance will take care of it. And she's like, yeah, just got to make sure you're taken care of. And I'm like, great. So, she, you know, that was fine. It, it was, it, and to be completely honest, as crazy it is to have both of our cars get hit and have them at the same time be in the shop. Um, for me, it was kind of a best case scenario type situation. I needed to buy new tires anyway yeah um which were going to be about a thousand bucks for four new tires balancing and and not you know, anymore not anymore now they're covered <laughs> by insurance i need to get my tie rods replaced but i think because she hit me so hard they might have been damaged so they're going to replace those i had to replace my bumper and they're going to color match it now because she broke my bumper and my side panel that had a little scratch on it that's going to get replaced so my car is going to be in better shape than it was there you go. When it got hit, every cloud, <laughs> every cloud. It's been frustrating because it's like winters here are hard because there's yep. so much ice and snow. But yeah, having both of our cars get fucking hit within weeks of each other is actually bananas. Um, so, <laughs> but oh, yeah, like I said, silver lining, pimped out exhibit style when you ride, so it's going to be fine. Right, Jackie's car will be fixed. My car will be pimped out, um, and we should be fine. Um, and then. It's like 65 to 75% of the work that my car needed will be taken care of. There you go. Um, <laughs> and then I can just worry about the other couple of things that it needs. And then my car will be like perfectly good. So, you, you ro- know. Then you road trip here. You just drive across the Atlantic. And then I'm going to drive across the Atlantic Ocean in my Volvo. It is all wheel drive. So it's possible. <clears throat> no problem. <laughs> but yeah. So all things considered, pretty okay. Could be Twice. worse. 2023 is the year of YouTube. 2023 is the year of YouTube. It's just I've been wanting to have it be full time for a long time. And now that it just we're in the place that we're at, it just makes sense. Like just put all my energy there, make good content, have fun doing it, Um, you know, find some people that want to work with me and, you know, just just just, you know, just be the Joe Greer of YouTube, whatever that means. What does that mean? Yes. (laughs) He's pregnant, or not him, but Maddie Greer is pregnant. 
his wife is uh, expecting child. She's yes, child. I saw that. I did see mm-hmm. that on the on the interwebs. Um, so they've had sex, I'm, which is cool. I'm calling it. <laughs> I'm calling it now. I think they're going to name the kid Portra. Yeah, probably or Kodak, or 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 maybe the middle the middle their middle name is either going to be Leica or M6 or Bengal or Lights 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 Could be or Kodak Bengal Greer. God, that's not. Oh, they're not even. <laughs> Bless you. Are they? Is that team even doing well? I don't even I don't know. know. I don't know anything about American football. Yeah, me either. Oh, um, sorry, just football, as you call it. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Um, also, uh, Corey Wolfenbarger. I think it's how you say his name. He is also with Child. He's one of Joe's friends. Um, what are you trying to suggest? I think that they had a uh, baby pact. They're like, if 2023 comes around and we're not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the I'm not terms were. Baby pact with you. I don't want to have any more babies. Jackie says we can't have any kids unless we are rich. And I agree. Yeah. I mean, right now is probably not the ideal time. Give it like six months and then you'll be rich. I know it'll be fine. <laughs> when that YouTube money starts rolling in, then we can start popping babies out for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm in the process of finishing putting together a, a, a portfolio um, to send, and I'm going to try and get myself some representation. Nice. I've uh, always wanted to do that, and I, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, so I know I know some people, and there's because food work's pretty good for it as well. So um, my portfolio... I'm really quite proud of it, actually. Um, so I'm putting it together right now, and then I'll send that off because I suck at getting work. Um, yeah, dude, same. I get like, you know, I never really get bad feedback. Like people always like the stuff that I do, but like I'm so bad at like chasing work up, and I'm also really bad at talking myself up. So like, like literally, if a client said to me, "Are you any good?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> well, right. I mean. The problem is it's you think about it like, oh, I'm good. My work is good. It speaks for itself. Work will find me. People will see my work and want to hire me. But that's not that's not how it works at all. You have to literally chase down clients. And the best the people that are getting all the work, the Eric Flobergs of the world are just relentless in going after clients. And that's what you have to do, unfortunately, because the marketing and, and salesperson aspect of it is the part of it i hate i would rather retouch wedding photos for the rest of my life than have to sell myself yeah i'm also really bad at negotiating money and blah 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 blah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get some see if i can get in with an agency that's my my plan well, you know that's a good point the whole negotiating money thing is really hard and i think i figured out why it's really hard for me i don't have if i have a client on the on the line right and we're we're getting close to closing and agreeing on a price and agreeing on a time and, and having a project. I don't have um, the luxury of backing out of a project if it's yep. not going to fit me, my scope. Yep. And so I am much more inclined to agree to a lower price because yep. that means I'm at least getting paid yep. than I am to push for what I think I deserve. Yep. And that is what fucks me up constantly because yep. once I, if, if I get to a point where I'm asking like, Hey, this is the budget I need to make this make this happen, and this is what it has to be. And the client says, "I'm sorry, we can't do that." So you know, good luck or whatever. And they walk away from the project. It, it it's good 
that I was able yeah. to assert myself that way. And that's how it should be. But I don't, but then I feel that as a loss because then that's income I'm not getting. Oh, dude, I'm and I don't, I, I don't have the luxury or no. income or savings to, to be able yeah, to be that picky. So cushioning to turn worn down. Like, yeah, people don't it, talk about that because people always talk about ask for what you need budget for what exactly yep. you need and what you think you deserve. And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But the other part of it is, do you have a luxury of walking away if you can't make that work? Yeah. And some people like we just don't. And you know, people, you, you, you want to get to a stage where <clears throat> it's, you, it's, it's a conundrum. Cause you can, you know, it's like, you know, your, your time is money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got to value yourself and everything else. And you're like, yeah, but I also need to pay my rent. So like, I am, I will like, I understand all of that on principle and it's great on principle and on principle, I fully agree with it, but at the same practical, like practically, it's not the same. If I, if I, if I, you know, if I quote someone for a day and I quote them like, I don't know, 1200 quid or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we could do like 800. I'll just, yep. Cool. Like straight away. I'm like, yeah, fine. No problem. And like, yeah, I I found there's still like 800 quid. Right. what I probably could do is go, mm, okay, well, that's actually, you know, like, it's not ideal, blah, 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 blah. Um, but instead, I'm just like, yeah, sure. And then what that actually does is it, it devalues you as a business. Yeah, it, it makes it it makes it seem that you are, are your budgets really aren't necessary yeah. and that you do have wiggle room. Where I what I've tried to do recently is tell clients like, hey, <clears throat> here's what the budget is. This is what I need to ab- absolutely need to make it work. I can't go less than this or it's coming out of my pocket. Um, if you can't make it work at this level, that's okay. Sorry, we, you know, we can't make it that work, but that's how it. Yep. And then I say things like, you know, you're not going to get this any cheaper at the same quality level. Um, other photographers are going to tell you the same thing. Yeah. So you would have to decide whether you like my work enough or not um because the choice for the we have to there's got to be a way that clients understand that the money that they're going to pay is a variable that they have almost no control over all they have control over is who they decide to hire because of the work that they prefer or like that's the control they have and so but right now the problem is because artists and photographers uh by and large do not have the power um, fiscally, like they don't have the leverage. We are in a disadvantage where we have to just basically say, okay, you're holding the purse strings. You have all the power. We have to just kind of bend to your will because otherwise we can't put food on the table. And the thing that sucks is, you know, 800 quid does put food on the table, but it may not go far enough, you know, to like pay rent or may not go far enough to like pay off whatever bill you have. Like you're not getting taken care of in the way that you should be because you're making concessions in order to survive. And it's yeah. kind of like this, it's like a backwards logic because you're not really surviving. You're, t- you're, you're getting something, but you're not getting what you need. Yeah. That's, it sucks. I'm also in a position where I have a full-time job. So like, I don't have time Thank really God. to like, um, to be chasing people all the time. You know, I right. could, if I, if I wanted to buy into the 2023 hustle culture, and be like i get up no. at four in the morning and then no. like, you know i'm doing emails and then i go to work and then i come back and i'm hustling and i'm hustling and i'm like yeah but there's a really new there's like a good series on netflix that's just started and and i like to sleep so I probably won't. <laughs> well they were doing i was watching a uh, tiktok of all places 
of this guy who is like um he was a financial guy and now he's like a uh what does he do now he does something in, else in prison for for trafficking children no 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 he he was he was doing um he was doing financial stuff for a corporation and then didn't like that and didn't like the way the money was being managed and so he started working for like a nonprofit that does like that like helps like people who are disadvantaged and like poor helps them budget and helps them find ways to like it, it's like a, he does like a good thing now. But anyway, he was talking about how hustle culture was a lie um, that corporate America pretty much like boosted in order to get more productivity out of people because people were thinking like, oh, if they hustled. Yeah. And it gave it what it did was it like artificially gave people this um, uh, boost of energy and this kind of like um, confidence that if they're hustling and doing all this shit constantly, um, even if it's for like a corporation that they're getting some kind of gains out of it somehow. Um, but no one could quantify what those gains were because everyone who was talking about it, no one was like, Hey, here I am in the office of my multimillion dollar corporation. I started and I started it from hustling and it's, that's not how you get anywhere. Everyone knows that, that it's nepotism. Yep. Um, everyone knows that it's who, you know, Um, it's race based a lot of the time. Um, and that, you know, you have almost no control over it unless you're like shrewd. And I mean, like, you know, who to, who to meet, you know, who to make relationships with, you know, who's important. You can cut people out who are not important. You only are around people who can get you through these doors. Like that's how you (laughs) succeed in America and in the world, in capitalist societies broadly. Um, so people now are realizing hustle culture is a fucking lie. Why are we running ourselves into the ground? We're not getting anywhere. We're on a treadmill. So yeah. fuck hustle culture. It's one of the things I feel about like Instagram, you know, is it's like, yeah. I'm, am I supposed to like warp my balls off on like Instagram for like, what? No fucking gain. Like it's That's exactly, it's, we're just got to accept it's part of life these days is that you have to put in obscene hours into a social media platform that probably won't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bullshit. But that's part of the fun. Part of the fun is working super, super hard for zero gain. And then, you know, maybe somebody like, maybe, you know, someone likes a photo. Have you noticed I haven't really posted on Instagram lately? I've posted like one or two things. I brought my photo department Instagram page back because um, Jackie was like, it was so stupid that you put took that down. You need to have that page back up. It's like going to be really important. And I was like, shit. Okay. So uh-huh. I brought that back. But otherwise, like I haven't really been posting on Instagram that much at all. And I haven't um, really wanted to. I just don't know what to put up. Like I, Me I, I can't, I can't put up any of the stuff from the book yet. Right. Um, which is annoying. Cause I really but want that's to the thing. But that's the thing, dude. Here's what I realized. Instagram <clears throat> like what would what are you putting things up for right yeah like i mean like if you have nothing if you have nothing to show well that's then the thing so what like it's also well, i've said this before like if i put stuff up on my page like it's of no relevance because people then need to find me what i need is for other people to show my work it's like right otherwise it's pointless so like well yeah if, if i if i've done some work for a client who has a shit ton of followers then they post my work different story if i post it mm-hmm. to my page it's just like well no one knows i'm there so like how are they going to find it they're not so yeah and i mean you know people always talk about the way to get growth on instagram is to post all the time and do this and do that at the right times and it's like okay what growth organic growth for what just to have followers like i don't understand because 
it used to be that if you posted a good amount and you had good stuff consistently and people posted and shared it a lot, that would open a lot of doors. But that era of Instagram has has come and gone. It's it's no longer here. Like you cannot have a career off of just having a good curated Instagram page anymore. You have to, like you said, post work from good clients that have followers who have a built-in client base. That's how you get people to notice your work. Instagram has become a portfolio site for photographers. It's just, yeah, a, it's totally. just, it's just an electronic business card at this point for me. Um, for the photo department, when I post new videos, I'm going to post little clips and, and photos on the photo department Instagram page so that people can see that there's new videos up and that people are aware that the page is going and that's it. That's that's all it's for. It's not for quote unquote organic growth because there's no organic growth to be had on Instagram. There's, you're not going to reach anybody who gives a shit on Instagram past a certain point, you know? It's, also, Instagram's um, dead. Instagram is dead. Um, that's your hot take. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. Hmm got some questions oh we got questions i miss these i always i love when people send us questions it's so fun we have three questions although one's a two-parter okay it's a good one um which is actually something mentioned earlier on it is how do you balance photography brackets art versus photography brackets professional service or is there a difference i would say there is a massive difference um one of which I touched on earlier on in the podcast, which is that work um, is you're often not doing something that's your vision at all. It's for a client um, and you have to put your, you put your artistic side into it, your creative vision into it a lot of the time, but there's usually art directors, there's stylists, there's, there's, there's illustrators, there's whatever else. So there's lots of other people giving giving input and more often than not your job is to light something correctly and press a shutter um Mm -hmm. so you need to put your creative ego aside sometimes um and often when you're editing you might have to edit to somebody else's style or standard um Mm -hmm. and it's not you're not doing um it's not your work if you know what i mean um and it can be it can be it can be monotonous um it can be exhausting and it can actually, it can, it can start to eat away a bit at your love of photography. Um, because it's not, it's not your vision. It's not your plan. Um, that does not mean that it's not joyous at times and it's not a luxury and it's not a gift to be able to take photos for a living. Um, it's just that it's not the same as, conjuring up a project in your mind or shooting a portrait or whatever on a whim or getting it four by five or whatever it is and just you know making something you want to make sure like solely for you um in any way you want um and i think the important balance is having ways to keep yourself plugged in to the creative side of it like i said earlier on like after spending a month on a photography project for a client um, I needed to, I felt distanced massively from my love of photography. And that's why photo books are really important to me because it's, it's a way of getting back into it. It's a way of inspiring me again and getting back into the romantic side of it, as opposed to the, you know, the pixels on an iMac, um, where, you know, you can be proud of your work, but also it might not, it doesn't bring you the same joy as like, 
scanning a battered four by five with some dust on it and scratches on it and being like, <laughs> this is cool. This is real. Um, yeah. That's where the joy is at, you know, I think, and a set can be stressful, like super stressful. It's not like you taking your time and making your, it's like, it's your people managing as well as taking photos. Um, I'm only saying this in my experience of photography, like there's lots of different types of, of, of commercial photography that will make you money, but most of them are, 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 you're not working for you. Like Mm -hmm. you're really never working for you. So I think the main difference in my opinion is that one is you're, you're doing client based work where the client has the final say. And the other is, is your vision, do it however you want, shoot it on a half frame. doesn't matter. Like anything, anything goes and you have all those options. But I think the key is to, is to be always be plugged into the things that make you want to create. Yeah. Well said. I think that you pretty much nailed it. Um, the only thing I'd add to that is, um, uh, your art photography versus your work photography. Um, the way I view it is when I'm shooting for myself, when I'm, when I'm developing my own work, I'm trying to develop a body of work, um, that I then can be hired to do. So like if, for instance, you hire, um, let's just say for the sake of argument, um, Joe Greer, because you want Joe Greer to photograph a, um, uh, a car for you or something. Um, Joe Greer gets hired to photograph things that look like what he photographs because his style has been well-documented. He's very specific in what he shoots. And that in that way, when he shoots something for a client, he gets to shoot it the way he wants it yeah. wants to, because that's what they're hiring him for. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think you should use your time. And when you're shooting for yourself and if you, if you want to shoot professional work, um, that you do love, you have to, you have to really, um, make a strong showing of your work, uh, that you do personally. And that's the only way, like I've, I've been very lucky that my, in the past I've had, um, been hired by clients who are like, we love your work. We want you to do exactly what you shoot, exactly how you do stuff. We want you to do that for us. Um, so the creative vision is totally yours. Um, and then the details are for us, like, you know, whatever the product is or whatever. And that's, that's really the way you can balance it perfectly. It's hard to do that because you have to, you have to really want to shoot for yourself and really want to build your portfolio up. Um, but that's the perfect way to balance it because in the end, if you can do that, then you can start getting jobs where you get to be yourself and yeah. those are the best jobs. Like, and I'm not saying they don't come along like they do. It's totally. just the, the majority of the time it's not the case. It's um, right. And, and it's, like this, this, this way of working has become very apparent to me as like what I need because this last job that I had, it did pay the bills, but I was creatively divorced from what yeah, I was doing. I mean, you, you start to hate your fucking camera. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't want to shoot another Canon R5 for the rest of my life because it's that's also, what we use in the studio. You start to like, and, and as that starts to happen and like the days get longer and like the day goes on and then it's like shooting, 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 your brain switch off, you get to the point where you're looking at images popping up and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. Let's move. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you don't want that. You do not, you do not want that because like it, it dilutes your, your credibility um, at the end of the day. And but who wants it, to spend their time doing that? You know? Not this guy. <laughs> Me not this, either. Not this guy who looks just like Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born, don't I? Literally twins. 
Couldn't tell you apart. Yeah, I, it's anyone in the UK will realize I look more like Noel Edmonds, but um, whoever that is, he's yeah. yeah. Okay, he, he used to have a he used to have a show called Noel's House Party, and um, the house that the party was in was called Crinkly Bottom. God, this is literally the most British fucking shit, um, or I'm I guess sorry. the most UK I shit. I've had some schmores while um, while doing schmores? it. Um, um, whose who's, whose question was that? Uh, oh, let me see. Oh, it was a good question. Oh, dude, I'm gonna get your name so wrong. I want to say it says Seiji. Oh, Seiji. 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 Oh, in yeah. that case, I fucking nailed it. Yes, mm-hmm. I am the man. Good question, Seiji. Great question, Seiji. Um, okay. One from Janoy says, what is the most expensive roll of film you've ever shot? Mine was some <laughs> Aerochrome, uh, $32 in 2017. I can tell you what the most expensive film I've fucked up repeatedly is, um, which is... Portrait Port- 400 for uh, 4x5? Bingo! Uh, 70, <laughs> 70 bucks for um, 10 sheets, and I ruined five of them. As in, as in, as in didn't even shoot them. <laughs> Excellent. You didn't think you should practice on some like HP five or something, huh? Oh, I did. I used some formal pan, uh, mm-hmm. some HP five, mm-hmm. um, and just fucking. So that one of them's that one that I've sent off to a lab um, that's mm-hmm. definitely not shot. So that's not even exposed, and it's just going to get ruined. Um, I've ruined three um, in the dart bag, um, and then I shot the other side of the negative. And another one, I loaded it wrong. So, oh, you red scaled it? Yeah. Did it turn out? No. Okay, because we, me and Jackie, weren't shooting, and she loaded some Ectochrome for me. It was our first time loading four by five, and she did a great job, except that she put my sheet in backwards. So I ended up getting red scaled Ectochrome, which looks very spooky. Yeah, but you've um, also got to you've got to overexpose it a little bit, don't you, for it to be exposed correctly? You do, and I don't know what I was doing that day, but I, I did I. I over, I overexposed it a little bit. I think because it was expired by a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because um, I I didn't um I didn't I probably underexposed the image anyway, so mm. it was it was just fucking nothing. So that was good. <laughs> so yeah, that's thirty five quid. Um, wow. gone. Um, well, on really yeah. expensive, lovely film. Um, so yeah, there's your answer so, for me. So for me, my most expensive film. So uh, I currently have some, and I shot a bunch where it was still available, but, um, Fuji Natra 1600. I have two rolls left in the freezer. I've shot, I don't know, a few dozen rolls, um, back when it was still available. I think they were like seven or eight. No, wait, it was like 12 or 13 bucks a roll. Um, I got some from Amazon. I got some from a local shop and then the two rolls I had, I bought from a local shop, I think in 2017 and they've been in the freezer ever since. Um, they currently on eBay, I've seen individual rolls go from anywhere from 70 to 85 bucks. Jeez, man. Um, and I've thought about selling my rolls <laughs> just because. Now's the time. Um, <laughs> because I don't know what to shoot uh, this stuff with. Um, but I thought it would actually be more interesting to make a video shooting the most expensive 35 millimeter film. Correct. So, uh, and someone from the Patreon will be winning um, the other roll. So I'm going to shoot one roll. And I'm giving away the other role. So I don't know um, if you are interested. 
uh, in purchasing, or I'm sorry, in winning a free roll of Fuji Natural 1600. I'm doing that very soon. So you should join my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Really good. Yeah. I'm not on it enough, um, which is probably a good reason to join it, actually. Um, the Discord. Yeah. The Discord, yeah. That's yeah, so there's reason. a Discord Discord community, which I I made the Discord for the Patreon, thinking it would be a cool extra thing that people would like. The Patreon itself, it just kind of sits there. But the Discord is every day. It's super lively. There's people in there talking all the time, sharing ideas. I've made a bunch of new friends because the people in there are fantastic. And and I'm not in there all that all that often because I forget to go in or I'm busy. And then I'll go back in and I'll have to catch up on a bunch of conversations. Yeah, man, there's and, a lot to catch up on. That's the thing. And then I always feel like I'm just like gate crashing. So like I just sort of. Nah, man, you, they they love when you're in there, so you should definitely pop in more. Oh, often. Thanks, man. Means a lot. It's true. It's true. You're a you're um, you know, they there's a spooky park bench, um, thread or room or yep. whatever. It's um, true. There is right here. Uh, channel, That's text channel, and Wherever you know we talk on. about talk about all sorts of stuff in there. There's a music nerds channel. There's a share your work channel where people share their work. No um, needs. No nudes on well, not yet. yet, not yet. But there's a lot of good stuff in there. There's video stuff. I talk about YouTube stuff. There's a coffee channel. It's just a really cool. So go, cool. just do it. It's cheap. But anyway, um, Last yeah, seventy five, seventy five bucks a roll. That's expensive. Last question yeah. from Austin. Yeah. Hmm. It's Arm Brewster, bar. huh? Arm Brewster, the very one. Oh my god, love that guy. Um, two. It's two par. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two separate questions actually and they're not, okay. not two part or it's just two separate questions okay tips for finding subject matter when making photos now this is good actually a good question and relevant mm. right now because austin i have had an idea for a four by five series um mm-hmm. which is i want to shoot hear me out elderly people in the favorite room of their house but nude okay um Okay. Um, I'm going to give you my justification for it. <laughs> it's I'm waiting. Okay. So I had this idea. It was from, I was talking, I was thinking about like, it was somebody was telling me about their, their, their grandfather and like how their grandfather's really ill and like how he can't be looked after and blah, blah. blah. And I thought, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> that blah, blah, blah is not just dismissive of somebody's dying grandfather, but sure. I was thinking <laughs> we, about have whole, all, we all whole, assumed the whole like circle of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And how we were 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 born helpless and we die helpless, right? Mm-hmm. The majority. If you live till like you know very old age, you die pretty much you know helpless half the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought we're we we were born naked in this environment, and we spend our entire life cultivating these 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 things, and we create this. We 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 get we build a home, and then we always everyone has a favorite room in their house, and it's this room that they've they've created, right? So. In many ways, it's like a, in a very crude way. It's it's the sort of it's the womb. It's the place where you're safe and comfortable and homely. And then I thought, what I want is then the vulnerability of these people. And the best way to be vulnerable most of the time, most people are vulnerable most when they're when they're naked. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about some like old lady sitting with her legs wide open here. Like I'm, you know, there's <laughs> some dignity involved in these photographs. Um, sure. Uh-huh. But I was like, how the fuck do I go about finding these people? You can't just go up to some old lady in the street and be like, hey, I want to take a picture of you. Do you want to? take your clothes off and then i thought well i could probably there's probably like like dating websites or something for like old people and then i thought well maybe well, maybe yeah. like maybe there's like old porn stars and i thought what about 
life models. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I'm really not sure. It's I've got this idea in my head. I've got the images super clear in my head. That sounds wrong. Um, <laughs> but I find finding I've had so many ideas for like portrait ideas um, mm-hmm. for projects, and the thing I find, even though I'm generally pretty good with people, there are always projects that involve a certain level of vulnerability, and I need to check that I'm not being exploitative as well. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's pretty the 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 checks and balances for that are pretty quick, pretty quickly. <sighs> like if you have an idea and then you go, mm, I don't know if you if it gives you pause long enough to where you have to reconsider if it's a good idea or not. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, like, um, I I really like this idea. It's just a case of yeah, finding yeah. people that are willing to um, do that. So I think subject. I think matter- for you, if you find that first person. Yeah. that is willing to do it, they will probably know more people who might be more open to the <laughs> yeah. idea. More elderly. Just be, I'm, I'm serious because if you can find, you know, the first subject um, who understands what your kind of vision is and, and sees the possibility and is like, oh, this is this is a good project, that's probably going to be easier for them to then tell yeah. other people of their yeah, their colleagues. I mean, that's, you could that's say, probably I guess. like you know, nudists and stuff. And I don't know, but like, I mean, there's, the, I mean, you know, in my experience photographing elderly people that I have, um, I find that if you have a good story and you're good at expressing your intention, people are just like, oh, that sounds great. Especially when they're older, because they have a lifetime of experience of like yeah. built up stories and stuff. And if they can if people feel like you're shining a light on them in a positive way, or like yeah. you're giving deference to their experience, like people are much more open to that kind of thing. Other, yeah. You know, there's so much of these TikTok ding dongs running around being like, Oh, you know, what's the most expensive date you've ever been on? Like in public and people fucking think that shit's stupid because it is very stupid. There's no it's just surface. There's nothing to it. It's just pure clown behavior. But if you are, you know, showing people this respect, then it's different. That's the, yeah. I mean, it's difficult, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I don't know, man. Finding like subject matter for 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 projects is like it's def- it's it's different for everyone. I'll yeah. say for me personally, it's much easier to find subject matter when I have an idea that I've fleshed out enough. Yep. where I can describe what my project yep. is really concise and and in a way that uh, paints a picture for the person. Yeah easily so if i can go to somebody and be like hey like for instance i want to do this like project on crafts people basically people who know a trade and do yep. a work in that trade and i you know if i can go to someone and be like hey i'm doing this work on trades people and your trade is very interesting and i think this would make a really great photograph of you in your shop or you at your work or whatever um uh you know if i can you know, bring it to them that way, then they get a feeling that I'm respecting their craft and their trade. Um, I'm getting, they're getting a feeling that they are special, that, that they were chosen among their peers because I looked at them and thought this would be a better photograph, whatever. Um, and then I'm giving them the option to be like, it's a cool idea, but I'm not interested yeah. in being involved. And then if that they're not, they're not, you know, every yeah. time I've been turned down for a photograph because of the way that I, I present it, I'm never I never told to fuck off. I'm always told yeah. like thank you, but no thank you. I which think is if, you're in, if great. your intentions are pure, you know, I think it's fine. But like the um Yeah. I also think that like 
I think if you go looking for a photography project, you're not going to find something. I think that it needs yeah. to, it needs to kind of come to you, and then then you can start to like refine it and hammer out. But I've um, stopped walking around like I've stopped going to like photo walks and stuff like that because I find that to be it's really fun for networking and hanging out with other photographers. But as far as like creating any work, it's not, it's like, there's nothing to make. So, um, my approach nowadays is to think like, okay, what do I want to say and what do I want to make? And then find out what the story is and then construct that basically storyboard it, you know, write it down or have it in my brain or whatever. And then I'll know, Oh, for this photo, I need someone with an apron in a car shop like i know exactly what i need and then i can go find that it's much easier to do that than to walk around and see if you know sometimes you can get inspiration from just walking around and looking at shit but that for me where i'm at now doesn't really work as much i bring my olympus xa around and i take snapshots of stuff that i see that i like but i don't think that that lends itself to me as much as like planning something out because i have ideas already i don't need to find ideas i already have things i know i want to do so yeah, hopefully that makes sense, Austin, my boy. Uh, and part two, or question two, is how to properly put together a series of work or tips for putting together a cohesive series of work. Well, you just so, did that, so I think you can really speak yeah, to that. Yeah, so I think, like, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm just finishing putting together a portfolio. And, like, I think you've got to be harsh with your own work. Um, mm, yeah. Sometimes your favorite shots don't fit in. And you just don't put them in. They might be great photos, and you might think they're great photos. Therefore, you want to show them off, but it doesn't mean that it works with the body of work. It has to be cohesive. Um, mm-hmm. It has to show you, I think, and it has to show your. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to show um, a sort of range of, if you're putting together, say, a portfolio, and you want to show a range of things you can do, it's a little bit different. If you're putting together a project, then Again, it's more personal at that point. But like, I found that you need to be harsh. You need to collate and enough that it's there's enough to look at and not too much that people get bored. There needs to be enough variation without it deviating from a theme at the same time. And and I think the most important thing is the thing I said at the front. Like, just because a shot's great and like, don't crowbar it into a body of work for the sake of it because you think it's a cool shot. It'll stand out and it'll fuck everything else up. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it'll distract. It'll distract. Like, you know, I've got like, I mean, my website, like for instance, like I'm not, I'm not huge on it. Um, oh, mine's a mess. Oh, I know like, it is. It, whereas, like, I've really enjoyed putting together this this portfolio because I've got to like curate. Um, my images in a way that in a way that I'm I'm proud of um and you know websites never because I can't code as well like I can't change templates to the way I would want want them to work there's always they're always like 80% perfect website <laughs> yeah. templates and then there's just one or two things that I can't do that really pisses me off I'm like why can't that show that image individually or why do I have to why does it have to be a scrolling fucking grid or whatever like it annoys me. Whereas this, I've got to make something that I'm really, you know, I'm really proud of. And I think that you, yeah, just all, if you can as well, depending on what you're doing, print them out and have a look at them. Um, I was just going to say, if you can print, um, that is huge. Kyle McDougall had that video about, um, he got the Canon selfie C3100. I think it's called the, um, the little printer that does mm-hmm. these, these four by five 
or four by seven, four by five, four by seven. I don't know. Uh, does these little, I'm showing Mike, you guys can't see because this is a podcast, but I, I, um, Jackie got me one for Christmas and, um, it is, um, you know, what he basically says in the video is printing out your work just to see it in front of you, just to have it and be able to like curate it, put next to each other, see what flows, see what doesn't work and what does work. Huge. Um, this thing's only 120 bucks, I think for the introductory pack, which comes with five sheets of um paper and then some some ink and stuff and you can buy more um it's a worthy investment if you really want to be putting your work together um outside of a website to see how to make a cohesive body of work and it's just you know printing your work everyone should be doing it. it it's very hard sometimes it's cost prohibitive but if you can have the opportunity to do it you definitely should um and mike you're right like what you said at the top about being harsh that's the hardest part you have to really really critique your work and be like does this fit because i think my website right now if you go look at it um it suffers from a lack of discipline when it comes to Mm. curating my work i i'm bad at it because i want to show my favorite work but sometimes my favorite work doesn't fit into what i'm I'm trying to say yeah Um, all all my like little personal projects and stuff where i've I've shot some like my favorite stuff is stuff i've done for myself but it doesn't work on a commercial site at all like it, it doesn't go in there anywhere so like, on my I front page, there's literally a fucking picture of a stool in a room. It was like a, it was like a off, like a B roll shot. It was just like a random shot that I took. It was like when I was setting up that room, that shot for some portraits I was doing. And I really liked the way it came out. I think it's a great photograph. I think it's very interesting, but it doesn't fucking fit with my yeah. photographs. I but don't. I stick it in there anyway, because I'm stupid. And it's just, hey, I, I think people look at stupid. that and go, why is that there? <laughs> Um, I think yeah. Well, anyway, th- look, those were those were great questions. And actually, yeah, in terms of a, a way to end the podcast, bringing up Kyle is great because Cal McDougall has become a father again. He d- really? He has. Yeah, he's. Um, did, he, did he announce that? He didn't announce it. Um, did you just spill the beans and you weren't supposed to? If you're Facey B friends, like we are. Some what friends? Facebook, Facey B. <laughs> That's that's incredible. I saw it on that, and then I texted them to say, "Congratulations, man," or something along those lines. I yeah, might, I might have done a swear. I'm not sure. Congratulations, you fucking bearded fuck. <laughs> you be- you beardy fuck. Oh wait, I'm a beardy fuck now too. Oh, Mike's had se- or um, he's had sex. I've had that's sex gross. too. Oh, gross. Um, that's amazing. I should text him. I feel. I feel. Uh... We are Facebook friends, but I'm never on Facebook. No, me neither. I just went on. Sometimes I go on to like look at people I went to school with, feel better about myself. When was this? Was this recently? Yeah. I can't believe I didn't see that. I mean, I can. I can believe it because I'm never on Instagram, but that's or Facebook. But that's so great. I can't believe he's banging. Had sex. <laughs> uh. Wow. Yeah. Literally four days ago. No, he had sex like nine months, four days ago, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I was actually going to say um, a good way to end the podcast. Um, I mean, this is a good way to end it, but I was going to bring up our friend, our friend, Michael Hoagland. Oh, um, fucking what a penis. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that guy, that fucking guy. I mean, he, he messaged me. Yes, I, I showed you. He yeah. messaged me on my photo department page because i brought it back 
and he messaged me and he said, "What's up, Coke bottles?" Which <laughs> I guess is making fun of my glasses. I which, think so, yeah. Yeah. which no one no one is offended by that outside of elementary school like i don't give a no okay. i mean this is also a guy that looks like the painting of vigo in ghostbusters too dude nailed it that's exactly what he looks like that's so funny um and he said are you still a dickhead or he said it's been a while are you still a dickhead or did you learn some manners <laughs> he emailed me like about a month or so ago because i blocked him on everything basically dude, I, I will yeah. occasionally interact with him when i'm bored um and just wind them up, which is really easy. Um, right. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I just blocked him. Yeah, but see, you live with somebody, so you've got someone to actually talk to. <laughs> I live by okay, myself, that's, so I just like to that's talk fair. to I just like that's to talk fair. to Vigo the Destroyer on Instagram. Talk to me, talk to me. But um, that's, it's, it's funny because, uh, yeah, anyway, if you come across this he guy. He doesn't get any of the, the, the jokes I'm constantly making. Like, no, at times he doesn't have I'm actually engaging in conversation when I'm just winding him up. Um, there's no nuance there's no he's, understanding he's a complete moron and, he's a bad always, he's a bad we guy should start, we should start doing a regular shout out to if he comes anywhere near you on instagram or any social media block him straight away like just an, mm-hmm. a, an up the top warning on the podcast as always if you happen to come across michael hoglin or hoglin or hoggy or whatever the most dangerous man in photography he is the most dangerous man in photography he's probably the most dangerous man near school as well i would imagine yikes god probably but yeah he's he's a bad person He's bad faith um, actor. He's, bad he's not person. not he's nice. Bad, he doesn't understand not. reason. He he's harasses people. You get good eggs. And yeah, he's a, he's a bad one. He's yeah, a toss him in the garbage. So anyway, it was just I just thought we should check him in. So hey, sorry Mike, for um, Michael Hoagland if you're listening, which you probably are because you're an insufferable human and you just you just live in your own cesspool of hate. Hello, I will not be responding to you on on Instagram. In fact, I've blocked you. And I, please. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Michael. I'm, I might still be up for a chat every day again. Um, <laughs> you can always reach out, I'm sure. sure Mike, please, please seek help. Um, Me or him? No, you're very even keeled. I think you're. I think you're tip top. Oh, thank Michael. God. Michael Hoagland, though, he oh, could use. I hope thanks. he gets the help he deserves because sheesh, you're getting it all sheesh over. Sheesh, indeed. <laughs> um, well, anyway, yeah. thank you for listening. We're um. We, we're probably, we say this a lot, but we're probably going to start doing this with some more regularity. Um, the more we say it, the more true it becomes. Yeah, and I'm going to tell Chris something once we get off this that might excite him as well. Confidentially. Okay. Speak to you guys later. Love you all. Toodle pip. Love you. Toodle pip. Toodle pip.